we are to be disciples that are learning to be like, like the master, the master, mm-hmm. the Christ, the anointed Christ. one. Yeah. So that we are walking in that same anointing, and that same anointing is the anointing that goes around doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Yes, amen. Are we moving in that? Come on, let's mm-hmm. move in that, because that's that's what we are appointed to do. That is mm-hmm. part of our job description as believers. God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Wow, have we got a study for you today. If you like the deep things of God, if you like the deep things of His Word, you're going to really enjoy this podcast because we're going to talk about the anointing. And the anointing is that that Holy Spirit that's upon us. But there's way more to the anointing than you may realize. And it's your anointing. There's more to your anointing than you may realize. Let's get a vision for what God has for us in this outpouring of His Holy Spirit. We are so glad that you've joined us today on this podcast. Before we get started, though, we want to encourage you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and have a look around and connect with us by subscribing to our email list so that we can stay in touch with you and you can be aware of what's going on and the events that we have coming up. We'll be notifying you when there's a new podcast coming out and just lots of wonderful things that are available on our website, our blogs and our bookstore. And and you can even help us with uh, donations if you want to help us pay this forward so we can stay on this important podcast. I I believe this is a podcast that God has ordained for these times because we are in the beginnings of the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. We're going to start talking about the anointing. That's all about the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what does the word anointing mean? And where does this come from? Where where do we find it in the scripture? In the Old Testament, Uh you'll find that there are two different groups of people that get anointed. You mm-hmm. might remember when David was anointed? Yeah, he got anointed with a horn of oil. Right. Uh-huh. And Saul, his predecessor, was anointed with oil. It doesn't say with how a, much. With a vial of oil. <laughs> was it a vial? Does it, was it say a vial. That? It was a small. So what David had was anointed with was actually much more when you look that up in the two different words in the Hebrew. Okay. I well, did that once. Huh? There you go. <laughs> so kings were anointed and priests were anointed. So if you want to look at um, what it meant in Exodus chapter 29, we can look at what happened when Aaron and his sons were anointed to begin the work as priests. God gave the word to Moses of how to consecrate or set aside the priests. And so the word consecrate, the word uh, sanctify, they both of them mean to dedicate. So someone who is set aside for a purpose for God mm-hmm. is dedicated and and they're they're consecrated. They're set into an office. 
So a king is set into an office, set into the office of king, and his job is to rule, and his job is to um, get the word of the Lord and obey the word of the Lord. We we see that David all the time was going to inquire of the Lord. What does the Lord have to say about whatever the situation was? But the priests, the priests were a little bit different. They would be set aside not only with oil, but also with blood. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Exodus chapter 29, it talks about the anointing and the, the setting aside, the consecrating of Aaron and his sons. And in verse 7, it, 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 I'm not going to take time to read the whole chapter. Of course, you can go look at it yourself, make it homework. Um, so the Lord says to minister unto me in the priest's office. I'm in Exodus chapter 29. Um, there are things that, that they needed to bring, unleavened bread and cakes tempered with oil, wave, all these different things, uh, rams and bullocks and and bread in baskets, and, and they're to go to the, the tabernacle door. This is, this is as the tabernacle is also being consecrated. Mm-hmm. So the tabernacle's being consecrated, and Aaron and his sons are being consecrated to work in the tabernacle. So in verse 7, it says, you will take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. You shall bring his sons and put their coats on and, and so on. And, and it goes on to tell about how they sacrifice a bullock before the Lord, and they take the blood of the bullock, and they're consecrating this, and they're consecrating that, and the whole burnt offering, and and you can study that yourself. And in verse 20, it says, then you shall kill the ram and take of his blood and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the big toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar all around it, and you shall take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil, blood and oil, blood and oil, uh uh-huh, and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him, and he shall be hallowed or consecrated or dedicated and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. And that, that word hallowed means clean, dedicated, consecrated to God. Mm-hmm. And so we see that in order to, to minister to God, they're in this office as intercessors in between the people and God and God, mm-hmm. yeah, ministering to God, ministering for the people. And so that requires not only oil, it also requires, requires the, the blood. The blood of the so, sacrifice. So what is, why would, why would they put blood on their ear and their thumb and their toe? Well, your your ears, you're hearing, mm-hmm. you know, so you want to be able to hear what God's saying mm-hmm. and sanctify your, what you're hearing. Yeah, and your right thumb, that would be what you do. It would be works, maybe mm-hmm. your works, what you do. Everything they do in the office of the priest, you have to use your hands. True. So you have to use your. If you hold anything, any instrument or anything, you pretty well have to use your thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course the oint, the anointed the big toe. That's your walk. Yeah. And the priests are supposed to walk upright. Mm-hmm. And if you you go on and you look in the book of, uh, it's First Samuel, where Hophni and Phinehas were the sons of the high priest of mm-hmm. Eli. Yeah, yeah. And they were not walking circumspectly before the Lord. They, were, right. they had fallen into deep sin. And Israel lost the battle, and then they lost the ark yeah. to the Philistines. Right. 
and uh, that was in their possession and till the time of David. Right. And and so it's really important mm-hmm. that as priests that you walk uprightly. Yeah. And any office you work with the Lord, whether you're a pastor, your assistant in the office, some of you answer the phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all, it's all perfect. It all, to be perfect in God's eyes, let's say it that way. Right. You know, you want it to be pure and holy and you can't let the, maybe somebody just unloaded on you an hour before for <laughs> something, and you don't want that to come through when you have to minister to somebody. It's true. You know. So what do you do? You cover it with the blood. Cover it with the blood. Say, Lord, yes. just wash me with your precious blood. And I always try to remember to do that when we go out and lead worship somewhere. Lord, just oh, yeah. wash me in your precious blood. Let this be pure and holy unto you. Amen. Amen. So let's look and see further in the chapter what happens next, because they've done all this process of sanctifying the, the the priests and their garments, and they've been sanctifying the tabernacle. So in, in verse 38, it talks about how every day, every day, every day, every day, this is the daily thing that's going to happen every day in the tabernacle, mm-hmm. every day. There's going to be two lambs of the first year, every day, continually. One lamb you offer in the morning and the other in the evening. And with one lamb, remember Jesus is our lamb, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to keep in that consecration of what Jesus did for us. Because all day, every day, there are opportunities (laughs) for us to miss it. Yes, that's right. You know, there's just always this barrage of of things that are trying to keep us from being completely consecrated. So that's why we have the blood of the lamb every day. Morning and night, first thing you get going, last thing at night, make sure you're under the blood. Hallelujah. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the lamb, you have a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of a hen of beaten oil. So beaten oil would be olive oil. Olive oil. Yeah. They really mash the olives. (laughs) I think it's, I'm not sure where the scripture is, but it talks about the olive oil beaten for the light. Yes, that's right. I mean, it was pure. Yeah. It was the purest of the oil. Mm-hmm. That's what they used in the temple. And the fourth part of a hint of wine for a drink offering. So with the lamb, with the blood of the lamb, you're going to have the makings of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. So we have practiced for some time now uh, having Holy Communion every day. And it helps you to keep your accounts short. Mm-hmm. When you when you're having holy communion every day, mm-hmm. I remember we went we took a a trip to Tibet with a team, and we had holy communion every day to make sure that we kept short accounts that nobody would come up with a with a any kind of an offense that they would be carrying, mm-hmm. because that can affect everything. Yeah. So you keep everything under the blood of Jesus, and that's really important. So you have this day by day lamb offering and 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 bread and wine lamb and bread and wine lamb and bread and wine lamb and bread and wine and that's how we keep sanctified that's how we keep consecrated that's how we keep dedicated that's how we keep coming back and then what happens is verse 42 this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, Mm -hmm. where I will meet you to speak there to you. Mm. Verse 43, and there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle or Israel 
shall be sanctified by my glory. So it's the glory. Right. Can sanctify. So we, uh-huh. if we have the oil and we have the blood and we have Holy Communion, we can expect to have the glory. Mm. Amen. That's and very it's, good. it's time for the glory to be poured out every day more. Yes. You remember we had Dean Braxton with us recently, and he talks all the time about how, you know, he says, you, you usually say going to the next level. He says, I, I talk about expansion. Because that's how I saw it in heaven, that expansion, that yeah. that you expand it, and and even looking at God Himself, looking at the Father, every time He looked at Him, He was more glorious. Mm-hmm. Every time He thought, "Oh wow, that was glorious," and he and He'd look again, and He's more glorious. There's an expansion; it's a continuous expansion, and we are in a position now to be expecting a continuous expansion of the glory. Amen. In the That's outpouring awesome. of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. So this is part of this anointing that belongs to you as a believer. Let's go a little deeper. Okay. So when the glory came, what did the glory look like? What can we expect the glory to look like? He, God says, I will meet you there by my glory. So in, in Exodus chapter 40, This is amazing to me, how it was the first day of the first month Mm -hmm. of the second year. So they went out of Egypt. So it was like one year later. later. It was was the the first anniversary of the Exodus. They're setting up the tabernacle. And you're still walking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so they did all the things that God said to do. They put the ark in its place. And then verse 34 says, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward on their journeys. So that was, that was the clue that they would have. The cloud mm-hmm. was there all the time that they were supposed to be staying put. Yeah, it's just when you see it starting to move, you better hustle. Yeah. Get get out your tent pegs. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wow. So so we see that that the glory came down. Now let's let's talk about aspects of what the glory looks like. Because sometimes the the in this case it looked like a cloud. Like a cloud, uh-huh. Okay. So in Exodus 24, it says the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount. And this is Mount Sinai in the eyes of the children of Israel. So it can look like a cloud. Mm-hmm. It can look like fire. fire yes. And, and it, this devouring fire could also be called consuming fire. These are different ways that it's translated. Mm-hmm. Consuming fire, burning fire, raging fire. <gasps> oh. Fire. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> So when the glory came down on the tent or the tabernacle, Moses couldn't enter and, and the priests couldn't stand. Yeah. They, fell, they fell down. The same thing happened in, in uh, the temple when the temple was dedicated and the glory mm-hmm. came. Yeah. The priests couldn't stand then either. Yeah. So sometimes when the glory comes on you, it's hard, hard to, to stay to on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's better not to. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, 
there's a there's a place of worship that is prostrate before the Lord. <laughs> and and so that's that's one of the aspects. Then when Ezekiel was carried into heaven and he saw the throne of our father, he described the glory in Ezekiel 128 like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This wow. was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face. See, the glory shows up yeah. onto your face. Yeah, you don't have any choice. Yeah. And, and then yeah. Ezekiel heard the voice mm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And, and so the glory can just put you down. <laughs> but it, it might appear like a cloud. It might appear like fire. It might appear like a rainbow. Mm-hmm. So what happened when they were at Mount Sinai and it was appearing on the top of the mountain like a, like a fire? Well, the, the instructions the Lord gave three days before was to just sanctify yourselves. Right. You know, that was Set the, yourself apart already. Don't come near your wife, mm-hmm. you know, so you abstain yeah. from anything. And uh, when the glory showed up, they still weren't ready for it. I don't know what they were thinking was going to happen. (laughs) But when all of a sudden they wake up to an earthquake and they see fire on the mountain and lightning and (laughs) everything else, I would think, no, keep that up there. We don't want it to come down here. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. It was scary. I mean, they had seen, they had seen all the stuff that was done in Egypt. Yeah. And they, they saw had, the pillar of fire. They saw the pillar of fire standing behind them and in between them and the, the Egyptian army. And they saw the, the Red Sea split, you mm-hmm. know, and here they are at Mount Sinai. This is the place where Moses had seen the burning bush. God mm-hmm. said, you'll come back here and we'll talk again. Wow. And and they they got back there. He Moses did what he was supposed to do. God did what he needed to do to get them there. And while they were there at Mount Sinai, God says to Moses in Exodus 19, 4 to 6, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings. Remember this word eagle. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to see it again. How I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's what he wants to do with us. Do you get it? He wants to bring us to To himself. himself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests Mm -hmm. and a holy nation. He wanted the entire nation to be priests. Wow. Yeah. That was his goal. His goal was to make an entire people group, all 12 tribes, Mm -hmm. was his intention. He wanted Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was the goal. But then Mm -hmm. the children of Israel, when, when God shows up on the mountain and there's the earthquake and the fire and all of that sort of thing, they said, ah, Moses, you go talk to him. We'll, yeah. we'll listen to you. They didn't want to, they heard God say the, tw- the Ten Commandments and they said, yeah, 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 we'll, 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 we'll do it. <laughs> I think they were really scared. Yeah, but then, then they didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It was 40, 40 days on the mountain. Yeah. And so they saw the glory up there mm-hmm. and yet they still, they lost their fear of God. Yeah, I think I think part of it had to do with, 
you know, God brought the slaves out of Egypt, but he didn't get the Egypt, Egypt out, out of the, the slaves. slaves. Yeah. He, uh-huh. he brought them out to be a free people. He brought them out to give them the promised land. He brought them out to bring, to give them all the promises, mm-hmm. but they didn't get it. Yeah. They weren't ready for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and God wanted them, the whole country, the whole nation, all of these tens of thousands of people, he wanted them to be priests before him yeah. mm-hmm. in front of the whole world. Mm-hmm. He wanted them to be this people group that would that would carry his glory, that would carry his consecration, that would be a kingdom of priests operating in this royal priesthood position. Yes. So we see in Revelation chapter one, John is writing to the seven churches in Asia and giving them this greeting and uh, from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and so on. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. There's the blood again. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Mm -hmm. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He has made us kings and priests. Now, there there are other translations that say to make us a kingdom of priests. But Mm -hmm. I looked in the, the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I put it into Google Translate, and the word <laughs> the word there means kings. It doesn't mean a kingdom. It means kings. Hmm. It's probably referring back to what God intended for the children of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, another other translations would would even say a royal priesthood. Um, I, there's another scripture also that says uh, in Revelation five ten it says has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So. God is looking for a people group who are willing to come into this consecration Yes, to be kings and priests. To be a Christian is more than... Going to church on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more than praying a prayer at the altar and Mm -hmm. then not changing. That's a lifestyle. It's a whole Mm -hmm. lifestyle. It's about being a disciple. And the goal of the disciple is to become like his master. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. We are here to be like him, to let Christ-likeness happen in us. So what, is the, what does the Passion Translation say uh, for Revelation 5, maybe make it 9 and 10? And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God. Out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, you have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Wow. There it is again. Mm -hmm. There it is again. And and it's a people group that's been grafted into Israel. Mm -hmm. We don't replace Israel. Yeah. We are grafted into Israel, and we become a part of Israel, and even of its tribes. That's another story for another day. (laughs) We're sprinkled with the blood to sanctify them. So we have Jesus, who is our high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, Mm -hmm. according to uh, the book of Hebrews. And he is both king and priest. That's what Melchizedek was. He was the king of Salem. 
and he was the priest of the Most High God. So we have this picture of Jesus being both king and priest. Yes. Uh -huh. So let's look at Jesus' life and how the anointing operated in him. And I love this. So in Matthew chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God. Now, it's not clear to me whether the he that's being referred to here is John the Baptist or whether it's Jesus. Yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, I don't think that's clear which, which he we're talking about. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So when he came up out of the waters and he was still wet, the Spirit of God came over him and brooded over him, fluttered like a bird, like in Genesis 1. Remember back in Genesis 1, when the Spirit of God was brooding or fluttering over the waters. When Ivan Tuttle was with us, he explained what he had seen when he was in heaven, and he, he saw this timeline uh, beginning at at how the Spirit of God came upon the waters to bring life into the waters so that the waters could bring forth life. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing here is that when Jesus came up out of the water and he was still wet, mm -hmm. the water was on him, that the, just like the Spirit of God came over the waters in Genesis 1, the same Spirit came over him and fluttered over him like a bird. Yeah. So, so in Deuteronomy 32, 11, it refers to how an eagle flutters over her young. And it's the same word that is used for brooding or moving. In the King mm -hmm. James, it says the Spirit of God moved upon moved the waters. The waters. Uh -huh. It's also translated elsewhere, brooded or fluttered over the waters. So the moving of the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit came down on him like a bird flutters, like mm -hmm. the eagle flutters. Yeah. And and I can I can picture it like a shimmering that might have come on him to bring this glory anointing. Now, what does it say in the Passion? And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. Yeah. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, This is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Wow. That's beautiful. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, is yeah. what we're familiar with. Read it again, mm -hmm. what, what the Father said. This is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So if you think about the fact that the human body is up to 60% water, Mm-hmm. And your heart is something like 73% water. Wow. And your lungs are about 83% water. Uh -huh. I suppose that's why when you go <sighs> on, on the mirror or on glass, yeah. you see this you moisture see come. Fog on the mirror, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then it depends on whether you're male or female, you know, what the percentage is. Uh, for some reason, a female is a little bit less water. But babies... For babies, the number is much higher. It's, uh, it's between 75 and 78% water. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And then it drops to 65% by one year. So these are, these are kind of interesting 
little thoughts about, okay, if we are water, mm-hmm. what happens when the Spirit of God comes on us? Moves on the face of the waters. Yeah. Let that Spirit of God come onto you in your physical body. You need a healing? Mm-hmm. Let that anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon you. Now, why why am I referring to the anointing here and talking about the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He wasn't anointed with oil. Mm-hmm. He was anointed with the Holy, with Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. He went about doing good. This is his job description. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Mm-hmm. So that's what our job is as his disciples. As we are disciples. As we are anointed. Uh-huh. Yeah. As we're, we're becoming like him, that's the goal of the disciple, to become mm-hmm. like his master. Yeah. That is what we can expect to be doing. That's our job description as well. So the Spirit of God came upon him at his baptism. Now, what happened in Matthew 17? Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his clothing became as light. Wow. Yeah. So it was like he was he was exhibiting the glory that he, he had raised, before yeah. he came to earth. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like the glory that Adam and Eve walked in before their disobedience. Mm, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we look at the Holy Spirit in Scripture— we understand that there are types and shadows mm-hmm. that, that are like illustrations that we recognize, okay, this, this is, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So one of those things is oil. When we see oil, mm-hmm. we expect that there's some kind of connection with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When we see fire, fire mm-hmm. is also a type of the Holy Spirit. And, and we saw that in Acts chapter 2 when the tongues of fire came down, came down on the on, disciples. On, on, and on, yeah. Uh-huh. And then we, we see water is also a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about uh, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Mm-hmm. And he spoke this about, it, about the Holy Spirit. And then there's the wind. Wind is an illustration of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he talked about when the, that the wind blows where it wants to, and uh-huh. so are those that are born of the Spirit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we have this wonderful thing about—I guess it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. it, it, when, when they're translating certain words from the original, we might have three different words that is in one word in the original. Uh-huh. So we have like the word in Hebrew, ruach. And that means wind, breath, and spirit. And in Greek, we have the word pneuma, and it means mm-hmm. wind, breath, and spirit. So it takes us three words in English mm-hmm. to express what is, what is in one word in the original languages of the Bible. Yeah. So whenever you see wind or breath, you can also think spirit. Mm-hmm. Because it's the spirit of life it, yeah. that, that comes with our breath, right? Mm-hmm. You stop breathing, you stop you living. stop living. <laughs> That's right. So the idea of us being anointed. Okay, Jesus was called the Christ, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It, Christ isn't his last name. 
Right. It is his title. And it means the anointed, the anointed one. one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Christ, Christos, right? Yeah, Christos. And and in Hebrew, the word for the anointed one is Moshiach, where which is translated transliterated into English as Messiah. Messiah. Uh-huh. So we have if you really want to put his name into English, which I think the the Passion Translation does, uh-huh. you you would say Jesus, the anointed one. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what Christ means. It it's not his, it's not a name for him. It's his title. You can you can use it for referring to him as his title, but you know, if you would really translate it into into English, you might not say the anointed one. Yeah. I mean, you would need to say the anointed one, but but sometimes we use Christ as though it's his name. Anyway, the point is that in Antioch, in the book of Acts, a group of people there were first called Christians. Christians. Uh-huh. They were called Christians first at Antioch. That's right. King James. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, I did a little study about, you know, what was going on at that time when they were first called Christians. And in Jerusalem, they had gotten word that, that there was stuff going on among the Gentiles uh, and among the Greeks, you know, probably also among believing Jews, that the Holy Spirit was moving. So they sent Barnabas to go up there and disciple them, to teach them. Mm-hmm. And then Barnabas heard about Saul of Tarsus and how he'd gotten converted and what God was doing in his life. So he went and found him, brought him back to Antioch, and the two of them were busy teaching and making them disciples. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's where they were first called Christians. Christians. Christianos. Christianos. Huh. Yeah. That's where they were first called wow. little Christs, could you say? Hmm. Or or people of the anointing. That's who they were. They were people of the anointing. And that is what we are to be. We are to be disciples that are learning to be like, like the master. The master. Mm-hmm. The Christ. The anointed the Christ. one. Yeah. So that we are walking in that same anointing, and that same anointing is the anointing that goes around doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Yes, amen. Are we moving in that? Come on, let's mm-hmm. move in that, because that's that's what we are appointed to do. That is mm-hmm. part of our job description as believers. Yeah, that's what the disciples did. If you, if you look, it was called disciples, but then after his ascension, they were called apostles. Yes. The twelve. The twelve. Twelve were. Twelve were apostles. And then there were others that were called apostles later. I love what the Young's literal translation says about Acts 11.26. And having found him, in other words, Barnabas having found Paul, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that they, a whole year, did assemble together in the assembly and taught a great multitude. The disciples also were divinely called first in Antioch Christians. It's a little bit odd word order, but they, they take it literally in that translation. Yeah. But the word divinely called, in mm-hmm. other words, God called, God called them Christians. Yeah. God called these people, people of the anointing, mm. the anointed ones. So it's his presence and it's his glory that is our anointing. And, and we have that same assignment that Jesus had to go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Yes, amen. And just like the, the tabernacle was sanctified by the glory of God, 
Our tent, our bodies are meant to be carrying that glory of God. So when mm-hmm. we have daily communion with him, yeah. when we're communing with him, when we're putting the blood of the lamb over our lives morning and night, when we're staying in that place of consecration, yes, when we're that. staying in that place where we are, are pressing in for his presence, mm-hmm. we're pressing in in worship, we're pressing in, in in all the things that God has given us as tools to, to enter into his glory. We have the yes, blood yeah. and we have the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we have mm-hmm. uh, the, the Holy Communion communion and we have the word of God and we we allow him to write it in our in our hearts and in our minds this mm-hmm. is the thing that will change us and transform us into his likeness praying in tongues builds us up according to Jude 120 build, building up yourselves on your most holy faith yeah. praying in the holy spirit these things will increase the anointing in your life because It's time for us to enter into Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise. Shine in. For your light has come. Come. Yes. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Which we are seeing. Yeah. Have you noticed? Have you looked at the news lately? (laughs) Darkness. And deep darkness upon the people. The people have become so deceived, Mm -hmm. so hoodwinked by darkness. But the Lord Yehovah, will arise, arise upon on you. you. Come on, listener. The, the glory is rising on you as you press into his presence. The Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now we know that this is a promise for Israel. We're not taking it away from Israel, mm-hmm. but we are grafted in. Yes, grafted in. Yes. And his Glory will be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Just like when Jesus was was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh-huh. he was transfigured where his face shone and his clothes shone. And we're going to be seeing, I believe, I believe that we're going to be seeing believers who are pressing into the presence of God, mm-hmm. who are ready for him to pour out his spirit, Wow. We're going to be seeing people glowing. <laughs> yes. Amen. And especially these folks that have have gone way out into this deception and go, going into, into seeing in the spirit illegally. They're going mm-hmm. in by drugs. They're going in by witchcraft. They're yeah. going in by transcendental meditation. And those things that, that are opening their spiritual eyes, their spiritual eyes are open. I mean, they have, everybody has spiritual eyes. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be seeing this glory on the people of God. And they're going to be saying, this is, this is like nothing we've ever seen in, mm. in all of our experiences oh. in the spirit realm. It hasn't been like this. It hasn't been glorious. It hasn't been what we're looking for. This is what we're looking for. Yeah. And you can carry that. You can be used of God. Let his spirit come upon you and shimmer on your water. Because <laughs> yes, you're, you're part water, at yeah. least 45 to 60 percent. Uh-huh. You are water. Let him come upon, because he's, he's really coming upon your spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're clothed in Christ, right? Yeah. In, mm-hmm. We put on Christ. We put on the anointed one. 
We're putting him on. It's not just that we're putting the anointing on. We're mm-hmm. putting him on. And yeah. he is inside of us also. So you have this power that's generated on the outside of you and on the inside of you. And it's going to do something in yeah. your body because you're part water. And mm-hmm. you're <laughs> at, least, at, at least that part of you can have the Holy Spirit moving on you. Yeah. And that can bring healing into your body. Because mm-hmm. wow. the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us to bring us into the fullness of everything that that he paid for to bring us into the fullness of our calling like Adam and Eve had walking in the garden with God. It's about knowing him. It's about living with him. So arise, beloved. Arise and shine. Shine and let your light come. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.